Let's pray. We're going to dive into the words. You got your Bibles? I hope you do. Father, just thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. Father, we thank you for those that were water baptized. I think Connor spoke to me and said 18 people were water baptized. Father, we lift them up to you right now. We pray a firewall around them. Thank you for their families that could be here. We ask that you would bless them. What a point of discipleship. Going down in the tomb of Jesus, coming up in resurrection power. We Spirit, fill them today. Bless them today. Now, as we dive into your word, Father, we ask that you would speak, that you would speak to us, and that you would lead us, and you would transform us in the name of Jesus and everyone said, I hope to teach a little bit, I hope to preach, and hopefully the Holy Spirit's going to reach your heart. I had a young lady in the sound booth stop me last night and says, Pastor Gino, i got to tell you something. What's going on? I was in school and I overheard someone talking that they went to a church this week. And at that church, the pastor just screamed at them. And she said, was that heart of the city church? The person goes, yeah, how'd you know? It's not my intention just to scream, but I am passionate. And the kid was cool with it. said, I love this passion. So anyway, we're going to go with that. The area, this is the third week on the creed. And the area that we're going to be discussing today is I believe in Jesus Christ. How many of you believe in Jesus today? If you don't, if you don't, you came to the right place because you're going to have an opportunity. Let me give you well notice. You're going to have an opportunity to come in with Jesus Christ today, just like some of those who, all of those who have made a decision to be water baptized. We'd love to pray for you to come in a relationship with Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The first point that I want to make today is Jesus was a hundred percent man. He was more than that, but he was a hundred percent man. We believe that Jesus was a hundred percent man. There is a an angel that visited Mary. His name was Gabriel. And all of a sudden, he begins to talk to Mary, and we're going to look at Luke 1. And let me tell you something. You can read Luke 1, and you can read about the birth of Jesus at other times in the year other than at Christmas time. It doesn't have to be December. It doesn't have to be December 20th or 25th to discuss the birth of Jesus Christ. All of our songs today were centered around Jesus. I want to read this this morning, 128 through 29. It says this, and he came to hear to her and said, greetings, O favored one. Will you say that with me? O favored one. Good, good. The Lord is with you, but she was greatly troubled at the same. There wasn't nothing negative that Gabriel said to her, but like right now, if Gabriel showed up in this place, Or if Gabriel showed up in your bedroom this morning, you look kind of brave right now, but you would have been shaking in your shoes. I would be shaking in my shoes. Okay? Everything was positive, but this is Gabriel, man. This is an angel from heaven. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern 
what sort of what sort of greeting this might be. That's a pretty intense greeting when it comes to Gabriel. Mary had favor. The Lord was with Mary. And I want to read on, verses 30 through 34. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor from God, favor with God. Whatever we want to say, favor. That's a wonderful thing. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, it talks about Jesus here just for a minute. Now, listen to this. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus is the king of all kings. And if you're in his kingdom, there is no end of the reign of Jesus Christ. And then Mary says this. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? High five your neighbor and say, that's legit. That's a legitimate man. Son of God. I'm pregnant. What? I'm a virgin. That's legitimate. John 1.14, one of my favorite scriptures. And the word became flesh. We're not talking about any word. That's a capital W-O-R-D. I'm not talking about a cat or a bird. I'm talking about the word became flesh. That word is Jesus Christ. Jesus put on skin. Jesus put on muscle and tendons, and he moved all up in the hood. Come on. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Jesus was perfect. Over here on the grace side, great, 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 great grace. And he wasn't just over here slaying people with truth. He was full of grace and truth. He dealt with people perfectly in every way because he was God. How did Jesus become man? Well, because of Mary's side of the family. If my kids used to act up, look at Seth, look at Ray Dean. Oh, he acting like your side of the family right now. <laughs> Maybe Jamie would start acting up. Ray Dean be like, He's remind, she reminded me of your side of the family. Anybody ever done that before? You ever see that? In, see, Jesus didn't act up. He didn't sin ever once. But the side that he was 100% man was from Mary's side. And that's very important for you to understand today. See, Mary, some people try to paint her for what she really wasn't. Mary was 100% human. Mary was under the curse. Mary was under the law. She had a body. She was born. She lived. She died. She was flawed. She was a human 
woman. She wasn't woman. She wasn't wonder woman. She was a human woman. That's important because that had to take place because it served a very important purpose that Jesus was 100% man. Yes. Was she had, did she have favor with God? Absolutely. Was she chosen? Absolutely. But she was still human. Listen to this scripture. This is a very important scripture because I'm trying to show you today why did Jesus have to be 100% man? It's vital that you understand this. Hebrews 2.14. Because God's children, you and I, are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became blood, for only as a human being... Could he die? And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had power of death. You see, God can't die. God can't lie. And God can't sin. So what did God have to do? God had to become human. Jesus became human to break the power of death and sin of man. How did he break the power of sin? He became human, and he never sinned one time, causing him to be the greatest sacrifice, the, the ultimate sacrifice uh, for, for our sin. Now, how did he break death? Jesus, 100% man, he died. He didn't go into a coma for three days. He was completely dead. But what's powerful is he didn't stay dead. In three days, he rose from the dead, and he is risen. Today, you saw people go down in the waters of baptism. This is just not about taking a bath. It's just not about some show or something you know, that you do religiously. You go into the waters that's talked about of the tomb of Jesus, and you come up out of the water in newness of life and resurrection power. Jesus broke the power of sin by being man and never sinning. He broke the power of death by dying and raising from the dead. God, he had to become 100% man to do those things. He couldn't do it as God. He had to get into our sandals. He had to put skin on. Jesus could not stay God to do what he had to do. Jesus became man in order to free you and I from the prison they built, we have built for ourselves, bars of sin and death. You remember Jesus, he even talks about the, the, the anointing on his life that he came, Isaiah 61, he came to set the captive free to open prison doors. He did that by becoming a man. He was 100% man. But I'm not done because he was also 100% God. But J.O., I, 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 uh, I just thought you said he was 100% man. Yes. Well, how is he 100% God and 100% man? Ask God. I don't know. If you try to figure that out, your hair is going to fall out. <laughs> he's 100% man, and he's 100% God. 100% man because of, 
Mary, 100% God because of God. Look at this scripture, verse 34 and 35. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I'm a virgin. Gabriel gave her the answer. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born with a, a called holy, the Son of God. C.S. Lewis uses a term, the dance. Will you say that with me, the dance? What is he talking about, the dance? He's talking about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the dance. You see, there's only one God. <laughs> and yet we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In these scriptures, but in other scriptures, it's a mystery. It's supernatural. You can't figure it out. Try to, people try to create doctrine around it to slice and dice it. Hey, it is what it is. He's the Trinity. And there's one God. Listen to this scripture. Or if you go back and you were to read that, let me just read that again. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power, the look, most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. You'll be called holy, the son of God. In that very picture, you see the dance taking place because God the Father chooses Mary and sends an angel to deliver the news that she will conceive God the Son in her womb, God the Holy Spirit will uh, come upon her and will the power of the Most High, who's that? God will overshadow her. You know what's very cool about those? Don't let that confuse you. You know what's cool about that? It's, it's all God. High five your neighbor and say, it's all God. <laughs> Colossians talks about this a little bit. Read a lot about the Trinity in, in Colossians and the Godhead Trinity. Look at Colossians 1, 15 through 18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, he might be preeminent. He's God. 100% man. Came from Mary, 100% God. The seed of Jesus came from God. The Holy Spirit overpowered. Come on. The power of the Most High came upon Mary through the Holy Spirit. And the seed of Jesus came from God. That's how he's 100% God and 100% man. Jesus was of God and, in, and is God. He came from God and is God. Jesus is always and will forever be. Jesus was with God and still is. Jesus didn't just show up in Matthew. Jesus has always been. How many of you know that? No, he's, he's always been. It didn't say like, well, oh, Jesus is just a, you know, no, no, no. Jesus has always been from the very beginning. Uh, every sings a song called He Is. 
And you see Jesus in every book of the Bible. Check this out. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's the voice, Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, the lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel, our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign. Ezra, the true faithful scribe. Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of the walls, broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, wisdom's cry. In Ecclesiastes, the time and seasons. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, the cry for Israel. We're talking about Jesus. In Ezekiel, he's the call for sin. In Daniel, the stranger in the fire. Come on, say, say this with me. The fourth be with you. Oh, y'all got to go with me, church. Are you awake today? Tell your neighbor right now, the fourth be with you. In Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the Spirit's power. In Amos, the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores a lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, Mark. Luke and John, he is God, man, Messiah. In the book of Acts, he's the fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's the freedom from the curse. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's our servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the Godhead, Trinity. In Thessalonians, he's the coming king. In Timothy, Pilate, Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, the everlasting covenant. In James, the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our shepherd. In John and Jude, he's a lover coming for his bride. In Revelation, he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. He is, he is, come on, he's the prince of peace. He's the lamb of God. He is the great I am. I'm talking about Jesus today, who was ever, who ever, who was ever with us and will ever, ever be from Genesis to this day. He's man, and he's 100% God, and that's what we believe. I believe. We believe. It's good to know what you believe. It empowers you. I believe also that Jesus Christ is his only son, our Lord. Let me talk to you about Jesus Christ, the only son, and why that's so important. John 3, 16 through 19. As soon as I say John 3, 16, it's like a person can do this in their mind. Ah, I see that verse, you know, in the touchdown area of the NFL Super Bowl. Or <laughs> Don't allow scriptures. I mean, be familiar. Don't allow scriptures to be ordinary. Don't get used to the scriptures. They're alive. They're the breath of life. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Just don't read it all intellectual and just say, oh, it's a history. This is his story. And it's alive. Look what the Bible says about the only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. Do you believe on him today? A person that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will have everlasting life. Ooh, what a beautiful promise. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come to kick your teeth out. He came that you might believe on him, may be saved through him. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to free you. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned, condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved, just like I used to, love darkness rather than the light, because the works were evil. Why, Son of God? There is no greater sacrifice that God would, could ever or would ever give for you and I than his child. If you're a parent, you can, you can feel me that there is not a greater sacrifice that a person can give than that would be of a child. And God sent his one and only child for you and I. What great love that he has for us. In the rain, remaining short time that I have, We've talked about the virgin birth. We talked about 100% God, 100% man. We talked a little bit about him being the son of God. But I want to just this remaining time to talk about the final one. We believe that Jesus is Lord. Would you say that with me, the Lord? We used to sing the song, he is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, I want to talk to you about, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm talking to somebody in here today. There might be two or three in here that walked away from Christ or have never known Christ. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with one mouth one confesses and is saved. Lord, what does Lord mean? What, is, what exactly does that word mean? If you look it up in the Old Testament, the word is Y-H-W-H. It's all consonants. Y-H-W-H. How do you pronounce it? I don't know. And let me tell you why I don't know. Let me tell you why I don't know. Because the exact pronunciation of Y-H-W-H is uncertain. Because the Jewish people considered the personal name of God to be so holy that it would never be spoken aloud. That word Lord, it means the name of God. It means the existent and the eternal, the Lord, the Jehovah, the existing one. I asked some of my friends who I trust in a lot, I said, what does Lord mean to you? I text them this week, like, on Tuesday. What does Lord mean to you? And I got some really cool responses. I want to read a few of them. Sovereignty, victory, freedom, covering, just and faithful, 
Forgiveness, grace, favor. I like this one, my master. And as I was reading, I come up on one, studying, I came up on one that I go, that's the one. Here's my boss. Are you ready for him to be your boss? He's the greatest boss in the universe. Listen to me good. Now listen to me. Is he a loving father? Absolutely. Does he love? Oh, how he loves you. You're the best thing since sliced bread to Jesus. Is he kind? Absolutely. He's all of those things. And because he's so kind, and because he's so loving, and because he knows if you're the Lord of your own life, where you'll lead yourself, that he says, I need to be boss. Hand me the reins, and let me be the boss of your life. Let me be the Lord of your life. I want to talk two areas of Lord, and then we're done. The first one is this. When he's Lord, he leads. When he's Lord, he does the leading. The very first thing that Jesus tells the disciples when he runs upon them after being in the desert, he walks up to the disciples and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. Jesus wants to be the one who does the leading. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Psalms 23, one through three says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads, everyone say leads. When he's the Lord, he leads. If I do the leading, my worst enemy is not really the devil. I'm my worst enemy. And left to myself, left to me doing the leading, I'll lead into self-destruction. Today, you want Jesus leading your life. J.O., I do pretty good leading my life. How's that working for you? Sin can look like this. I don't really care how I'm designed. I'm just, you know, I want Jesus to save me, but, you know, I'll do the leading. That doesn't work very well. He wants to lead your life today. When it comes to leading, I spoke of leading beside still waters and green pastures and righteousness. But what, what happens when he leads you into uncomfortable places? Will you follow? What happens when he leads you into areas that he wants to deal with in your life? Will you follow? Oh, I want to be by the green pastures, Jesus. I want to be by the still waters. But what happens when he leads you into areas that are totally uncomfortable? This is what I want to close with today. John chapter 4. 
I was listening to Judah Smith the other day, and he's shared on this. And I remember when Judah was about 14. How many of you ever heard of Judah Smith? He's about four. I knew he was 14 years old, and his dad, and now he's a famous preacher. And I was, re- I was so blessed by some of the things that you're going to hear today that I took out of his, his, his teaching. It was powerful. Look at John 4, 3 and 4. I've preached on this before, and usually it's out of evangelism. This is a story of Jesus and the 12 disciples, and he's going to, he's leaving Judea, going up to Galilee. So if you can imagine, Judea's here, Galilee's here, and between the two is a kind of like counties, the county of Judea, the county of Samaria, and then the county of Galilee. And in order for them to get to, from Judah to Galilee, typically, a Jewish person would go all the way around Samaria. They would not go through Samaria. Samaria was unclean. Samaria was, would be considered somewhat of mixed breed, half breed, mixed marriages, idolaters. Man, bad blood between Jews and Samaria. Bad blood for hundreds and hundreds of years. That's kind of like what's going on here. And look what the scriptures say in John 4, 3, and 4. He left Judea, departed again for Galilee. Look, 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 look. And he had to pass through Samaria. He just had to pass through Samaria. Twelve disciples, all the disciples are like teenagers except maybe Peter. Just young guys. These young guys have been trained. Hey, 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 you don't never go to Samaria. Your mama will just, you know what your mama do. You don't go into that place right there. They would walk, it's my understanding. They would, instead of 70 miles straight up into Galilee, they would walk around Samaria 130 miles never to go into that county. What are you going to do when God, as the Lord, leads you into the areas that he wants to deal with in your heart. When he leads you right into the areas that you have prejudice thoughts toward, you have biased thoughts, you have discrimination, you have areas of your heart that you're like, man, I was always raised that way, Jesus. Why you got to go there? Why you got to go up in Samaria? Why you got to go there, bro? See, I was raised in South Carolina. I was raised extremely prejudiced, and I came to know Jesus Christ in 86. Jesus changes everything. He'll take you right up into Samaria. He'll take you right. I don't know if your thing today is prejudice. I don't know if it's bias of genders. I don't know if it's in discrimination, but whatever your thing is, I'm going to tell you, if Jesus is Lord, he'll take you right up in there. What's your Samaria today? He'll take you right up in there right now, face to face. What's your Samaria? So he goes into Samaria with these 12 young guys. The, the, these disciples always been raised. You don't never go into this place. Wow, you got to go, Jesus. The disciples go up in there and they go get some groceries. Got to go get something to eat. I can see them going to Samaria IGA. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Their eyes all bugged out. 
Well, I can't even believe Jesus has got us all up in here. He told us to follow him, and we were all up in Samaria. What you, what we doing? What's he doing? And then it takes place. It goes from bad to worse. A woman. Somebody say a woman. A woman comes to the well. A woman. Jesus is by himself. Comes away. He starts talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. Look what she, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. What? Jesus, you're breaking every boundary in the book right now. I wouldn't want any of our pastors to meet a woman alone. I wouldn't want my wife as a pastor to meet alone with a man. We don't do that, man. That's boundaries right there. You don't go there. It's safe, and Jesus is busting them all up. At the well in Samaria, alone with a woman, and this is not just any woman. He starts reading her book. She'd been married five times. And now she li- she's shacking up with a dude. Wow, Jesus, what you, what, why you got to go through Samaria? Why, why you got to go? You see, Jesus wants to deal with all the stuff that we thought was right in our hearts. And it's jacked. How many know that prejudices are not going to be in heaven? You, if you don't know that, you better wake up. How many of you know that gender bias is not going to be in heaven? How many of you know that discrimination is not going to be in heaven? Man, Jesus wants us to love. Love one another. I don't care what your background is. Come on. We're brothers and sisters. And if you got those areas of your life, he's going to take you right into your Samaria. Will you follow him when it's not green grass and steel waters? Why does he do that? I'm glad you asked. Let me finish this part. For the disciples, verses 8 through 9, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? See, she even knew it was jacked up. For the Jew had no dealings with the Samaritan. And they have this conversation about worship. They have a conversation about living water. They have a conversation about the well and, and eternal life. And he has a really good conversation. She goes back and says, you got to meet this guy. He's told me everything about my life. She has revival in her heart in Samaria, goes back. People start getting saved left and right because of her testimony. Jesus goes there. I mean it. When you allow God to take you through the Samaria, it'll change your heart. He'll use you in such a beautiful fashion. But then look what took place. Verse 27. Just then the disciples came back. Can you imagine faces? They're like, we're in Samaria, and he's talking to a woman. And she'd been married five times. Oh, what? But look, look what the Bible says. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? You know why none of them would say it? Because they're all chicken. <laughs> they're all thinking it. Every one of them, but they ain't saying it. 
They're just like, what are you doing, Jesus? Why does he do this? Number two, and I'm done. He does this because the Lord leads you. Listen to me real good. You got to get this. The Lord leads you in order to liberate you. Do you want to stay prejudiced? Do you want to stay biased? Do you want to stay discriminated? Do you want to have whatever it is, whatever that thing is that you're dealing with, if he's the Lord, he's going to lead you right into your Samaria in order to liberate you. Listen to what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is, the, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now you can read that real fast and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's a cool, cool, cool. Man, liberty, freedom. Freedom, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How is it a Christian be up in church for 40 years and they still live in bondage where the Spirit of the Lord is? How is it that that guy, he loves Jesus and he's still stuck in pornography where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? How is it that they come to church and all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they love Jesus, but they're shacking up where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? Don't run out of church right now, no. He wants to be the Lord of all those crooks and crannies and corners of your heart. Because when he's Lord of all, he's Lord of all. When he goes into those areas that you've been holding back, why? Because he's mean? Why? No, because he's good. He wants to free you. He wants to liberate you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, when the Lord comes into your house, he evicts every demon of hell out of your property. When the Lord comes into your house, he evicts pornography. He evicts rage. He evicts discrimination. He evicts bias. He evicts Prejudice, you name it, he evicts it. He said, three day pay or vacay. <laughs> and he doesn't have to say that. He just comes in as Lord into your life. When he's the boss, come on, say that with me, boss. When you finally say, I'm not the boss any longer, you're the boss. Woo! Great freedom. He wants to lead, the Lord wants to lead your life so that he can bring you into a place of great freedom. Heaven in, hell out. Heaven in, hell out. That's what the Lordship of Jesus does. No more on your private property, no more trespassing. Heaven in and hell out. Would you stand to your feet? The Lord wants to lead you into liberty today. The Lord wants to lead you into liberty. Who are you talking to, J.O.? You? The Lord wants to lead you into liberty. Will you let him be the Lord 
of those areas in your heart? Will you let him be the Lord of those areas that you've held back? Will you allow him to lead you into the Samaria and face the areas that's kept you back? See, sin can look like this. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for saving me, and I thank you for saving my biscuit. But I just kind of want to be the Lord in this area of my life. I want to do it my way. And he says, no, 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 no. I want to be the Lord of all. I want you to be free. I want you to be full of life and full of joy. You don't have to hold on in any longer. Like somebody said earlier, they said, hey, I want to surrender. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head today? I asked you earlier, do you know him as your Lord? Do you know Jesus today? Are you in relationship with Jesus Christ? 